Okay, it is time for the Friday panel and joining us this morning, it is upcoming local election candidate for the Labour Party in the Manor Hamilton MD, Bernie Lanan and Sligo restauranter and former president of the Restaurants Association, Anthony Gray. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Uh, I think we'll start this morning. Um, it's all talk about the budget and so on and so forth. And I suppose one of the things and the big, the big issues, Anthony, of the last few months was the VAT rate for the hospitality sector. They have been enjoying or had been enjoying the 9% VAT rate. It was increased to 13.5%. We're almost a month into that. How has it been faring on the ground? Has it been difficult or is it too early to say? Um, I suppose, look, it's a little bit too early to say, but um, unfortunately we had to put up our prices and pass it on to the consumer, which I don't think is a great uh, idea at all because yet again, the government have came walked us to the edge of the cliff and decided to put it up um, and unfortunately then we have to pass it on to the consumer so it's a tax really on the consumer mm. so your, your your night gets more expensive then to go out and it's not just restaurateurs that get hit by this it's obviously hairdressers it's cinemas it's etc etc and you know businesses are struggling we've had an awful couple of years of it especially in the hospitality trade um, as regards with price increases um, cost of uh, energy food costs and then of course we had the Covid crisis so it's, it's, it's a very difficult time for any hospitality businesses and I do think you'll definitely unfortunately Catherine you're going to see closures mm. and it's a, you know it's the little small coffee shops in rural Ireland that are you know they, they just go get by every year and they're like you know squirrels at the winter they, they hoard as much money as they can to get through the winter and it's just another tax and it's 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 not at the right time I think tourism itself is struggling and uh, you know it's it's very concerning for, for, uh, for any hospitality business. I know that as part of the budget submission you have asked for the 9% VAT rate to uh, be reinstated and remain at that do you do you really think that the government are going to grant that wish no i don't think so now i i do and i and there is rumlins and there's uh, finnegale backbenchers are supporting the fact that there is a lot of at the moment there is a lot of rural uh, uh, villages across ireland that have taken in a large amount of refugees and therefore their tourism trade is very very much struggling because of it because the because the hotels in the area um have been taken up and the the Fine Gael backbenchers are coming out and they're supporting a package for them little towns and mm. villages in Ireland. And I think that's the right thing. But look, at, it's, it's, there's a couple of things really to play in, in, in this. The hotels really done themselves absolutely no favours whatsoever with the price gouging that went on in Dublin. And, you know, it, it's, 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 it's really appalling to think that myself as a restaurateur are all we're all kind of lumped in together in hospitality with hotels yeah. and that's not the case the restaurants are a totally different identity than the hotels but I think the government said well look at you know they've been getting away with this long enough and un unfortunately they're not going to split the VAT rate for the hotels versus food which I think is a no-brainer it's done already in food versus beverage so like it, it's done in lots of other countries but unfortunately I don't think it's going to happen um, look at we have to weather the storm um, and, and hopefully come out of it the right side. Bernie, what's your view on that? Have you been eating out much lately? Have you noticed an increase in, in the cost of eating out? Well, I don't eat out that much. Okay. I like home cooking. Um, but I do believe that businesses are struggling. Mm. I do believe that 
everybody is struggling to a degree because we have a cost of living crisis. I'm not sure that the way to address it is to single out one sector um, because other sectors are paying full rate VAT. And I think fairness demands that everybody shoulders the burden. Mm. We were talking off air about the budget generally. Do you feel that it will deliver for every homeowner in this country? I believe it should, but I don't have great confidence that it will. For instance, pensioners, we're likely to see the same old tinkering around the edges, throw them a five or throw them a tenner. That's an insult to the pensioners of Ireland who paid all their working lives into government coffers. They should have a fair share of their own money and government should honour its promise and it's a long-standing promise going back 25 years now at this stage various governments to benchmark the state pension against the average wage and give pensioners a decent chance at a standard of living a decent chance to heat their homes to eat properly it's a no-brainer in the end it saves money for the government what about the living wage what's your your view on that the living wage i think is also a no-brainer. If people have enough to live on, if people can exist with a decent level of comfort, you know, no one's going to live it up on a minimum, on a a living wage of 14 euro 80, but if people can exist with a decent level of comfort, life is improved for everyone. Their health improves. Educational outcomes improve for children. It's an investment in society, in people, and it pays dividends. Do you think that the budget will come up with any surprises or do we kind of know what's going to be in it at this stage pretty much? I think the kite flying has been going on for weeks now. I can't remember the last time I was ever surprised by a budget. Um, I'm old enough to remember the time when you'd kind of crowd around the radio to hear what the minister was going to say. Um, That doesn't happen anymore. We know most of what's going to happen. You know, really, the government could do something completely radical, like bring in a second rate of child benefit to lift Mm -hmm. children out of poverty. Do we really expect they'll do it? No. Um, They could address, as you say, the living wage. They could address the pensions issue. What they really should do is get involved in funding the repair and restoration of the vacant and derelict homes that are all over this country. I was in Manor Hamilton yesterday and the number of buildings boarded up where families, where people could be living, a lot of them owned by the state, the government should get on with that. Well, I know that there has been, there's been a lot of applications for that grant for the derelict vacant property grant. But as far as I'm aware, and I could be wrong, a a lot of, or one of the major stumbling blocks is the fact that the person has to have that money up front, spend that money, and then they get the grant after. And that's what's delaying that process while there's a lot of applications in and they're being processed people just don't have the money to carry out the works in the first place and that's that that's actually the issue as far as I know that's the issue where people are asked to do the work themselves government should be doing the work where the state owns these properties and the state for instance the HSE owns a large number of these properties they should be repairing them these are homes that people need to live in We have 160,000 vacant and derelict homes across this country. There's no need for anyone to be homeless. One of the things we do know that's coming up in the budget, Anthony, is um, more energy credits. Um, As a business owner, have your ESB bills skyrocketed lately? Um, I tell you, if I gave you an ESB bill, I'd say you'd you'd be very, very shocked. (laughs) Um, 
I know <clears throat> two uh, with the two businesses hooked in Alabon. I know Alabon's electricity went from two and a half thousand a month up to about I think it was thirteen and a half thousand. Um, and hooked wasn't far off it as well. Now the government did step up to the plate, and they did they did give us energy grants, mm. and we had to apply for them. And uh, let me tell you, the red tape uh, surrounding that was was just unreal. Really? Like, look at government don't make it, it easy to apply for anything, and uh, you know I think um, it's it's just it's 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 very difficult to run a business when you you know uh, people don't realise that the uh, the minute you open your door you're looking at insurance costs, you're looking at energy costs, you're looking at light, you're looking at heat, you know, you're looking at the cost of food right across the board. Um, it's just, it's it, the cost of everything has gone up and uh, it, it's, it's, it's just very, very difficult, you know. Yeah, what's your ESB been, bills been like, Bernie? Uh, my ESB has probably gone up by about 50% yeah. over the, the last year or so. Now, I'm very lucky. I don't depend on electricity okay. for heat. But there are people who do. Mm. And those people are struggling. Again, we have a cost of, of living crisis. Government really should be retrofitting widely. You know, they offer retrofitting grants, but yeah. of course, like you say, you have to pay the money up front and then you get your grant afterwards. There are pensioners who cannot afford to buy a bale of briquettes. How are they going to retrofit a house? Government needs to get on with retrofitting on a wide scale and let people live in warm, comfortable homes. We'll move on now to um, the increase in petrol and diesel prices and we know this week that the government voted to increase them. Um, Anthony, we were chatting off air about it. It has shot up straight across the board and people are actually travelling out of principle to go to the cheaper petrol station but some of the prices locally and up in Donegal as well, there's such a big difference between some of them. Yeah, oh absolutely and look at it again like you and, and as Bernie rightly said and she's made really valid points there like the government shouldn't be doing this in in the middle of of a cost of living crisis and like the regulator should be stepping in but the regulator isn't stepping in the regulator is saying no 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 leave it let the increase happen and like all you hear is if increases 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 like the country like if let's call a spade a spade the country is in a complete and utter mess it's in a mess with the health system like I watched the television last night and to hear the harrowing stories of young people, like 12 and 13 year olds, like w- one lady had a, had a lie in a mattress because there were screws coming out of her back because of scoliosis. Like this is an absolute disgrace what these guys are getting away with. And like now they come along and they want to increase things and they're not building houses. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. And it's 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 a perfect example of, of what Bernie's just after saying. The country is a flush with money. They have a 64 billion surplus. And yet, all they want to do is taxes, pushes into, you know, where, where, where it costs a living. You, you know, as Bernie said, pensioners can't even buy a bale of briquettes. My own mother lives down in rural Ireland. And yet you have this Buck Eamon Ryan saying, you know, you should be carpooling and stuff like that. Sure, it's bonkers what's going on. And it's time that 
you know, the people of Ireland said, hold on a minute now, let's cop on a bit here and let's try and look after. And that's what the government should be doing. They should be looking after people who have paid their taxes, paid their their money into the government like we're the ones who are giving it to the government but yet they don't know how to do it they couldn't run a merry-go-round well, it was said in the doll this week by uh, local Sligo Leitrim TD um, Marion Harkin that this region would potentially be worst affected by the likes of, of the rise in, in petrol and diesel because our public transport isn't up to scratch. And then she went on to say that the likes of um, petrol stations and border areas will shut because people will start travelling into the north to buy their fuel. Mm-hmm. Like that's outrageous, mm-hmm. isn't it? Well, my husband is a lorry driver and he and several other lads from Sligo Leitrim area are working down in Galway and Mayo this week. Now, they can't come home because it wouldn't pay them to do that work. So they're sleeping in their cabs for the last fortnight. And that's the reality. You know, that shouldn't be happening. Now, the reductions in excise duty were brought in as a result of the war in in Ukraine. And these were supposed to be special measures for an extraordinary situation, for a cost of living crisis. Now, because of Russia's behaviour, and its embargo on oil exports, the price of oil has gone up again. So we are again in an extraordinary situation. So there is really no excuse for government reintroducing increases in excise. There's another one due at the end of October, and it will be the largest of the three to date. They're going to put eight cents a litre on petrol and five cents a litre on diesel. Now, government really needs to withdraw from that and roll back perhaps the previous two until we get a handle on the current cost of living situation. It's out of control. People can't withstand that. Well, I I just, I can't for the life of me understand why petrol stations have such a difference in prices. Like I was saying, I, the price price of fuel up in Donegal, up in like up where I'm from is a lot more expensive even down here. Like when you travel down from Letterkenny to Sligo, it seems to get cheaper as you go down the road. I I don't know why that is. But the last day I was travelling from Letterkenny and I kind of should have got diesel before I left, but out of principle I didn't because I knew it was going to be cheaper as Mm -hmm. I got closer to Sligo. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the reality of it. But I, I just can't understand why it isn't more regulated and why there isn't like a straight price across the board. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it doesn't make sense. Like if you, Catherine, if you go on Google and you just type in oil companies making a profit, right? You have you have the big oil company, which is the biggest one in the world. They doubled their profits in 2022 to 219 billion. Right. So like, like all you have to do is look across the board. Look at the energy. Now energy is coming down, but look how long it stayed up. And look at the at the exorbitant prices that we were paying, and yet they're making a huge amounts of profits here. So, like somebody should be saying, "Well, hold on a minute. How come they're making so much profit, and yet our prices are going up all the time?" That's not the way it should work. But unfortunately, it is what it is. Yeah. 
Um, we'll move on now to the need for more Garda Roads policing and I suppose, I don't know if you were listening to that interview with the GRA president, um, Brendan O'Connor in the first hour of the show, a lot of uh, a bit of a turbulent week for both uh, members of the GRA and the Garda Commissioner with no resolution in sight now we also had an interview as well um, about the reduction of speed limits Um but sure, the thing is, is that like, you know, there needs to be more guards on the road to do that, but they don't have the resources or the guards to put them out on the roads. Well, there's no doubt that speed limits, when they're reduced, save lives, but only when there's adequate enforcement. Mm. And there's nothing slows people down like the sight of a squad car. Do you know, the lights flashing, oncoming, telling you there's a squad car over the hill or a speed van, that slows people down. It does save lives. So we do need those Gardaí out on our roads. But Garda numbers are a problem. We have huge issues with recruitment and retention. And that's leading to the industrial unrest we're seeing in the Garda force at the moment. You know, we have a very dedicated force of public servants who literally put their lives on the line for us day in, day out. And they are telling us in the loudest possible terms, that they cannot work under the current conditions. Now, we really ignore that at our peril. Um, as well as that, right, we're, we're obviously reporting on on the happenings of of, of that as, as a local media outlet and the national media are reported on, reporting on it too. But because of that, a perception goes out there, oh, sure, there's no guards on the road. Sure, I can do what I like. And I know... That that's it's not good but we have to highlight it in the first place mm -hmm. but I think you know there is now a perception out there or maybe I'm wrong that you know there aren't there, the roads aren't being policed I think you're right um, I, the perception is out there that the roads aren't being policed um, I know um, on National Slowdown Day um, I drove from here to Westport and I never seen one guard um, but as as Bernie said and we all know this uh, the recruitment uh, lots of people don't want to go into the guards now I think uh, you know I think morale is on the floor of every guard in, in, in Ireland and this is evident in that fact that they're going to actually strike and uh, a lot of people don't realise this but they're going to strike for every Tuesday in October that includes budget day Right, so the politicians won't be too happy about right, that, yeah. but it also includes Halloween night. Now, I have kids who will go out on Halloween night and they'll go round the round the the neighbours and they'll get this, that, and the other. But Halloween night is a very dangerous night to be out. And can you imagine this whole country with no guards being out on Halloween night? I'm unfortunately, I don't think Drew Harris was the man for the job. His policing policies have never worked up the north, and I don't think they'll work here now. And it's evident that the GRA are coming out saying, "Look at." You know, you're not listening to us. Um, you're not doing this. I do think it should have been dealt in house. It should have been kept within the dressing room. But unfortunately, it hasn't. But like, if you've seen the horrific stories from tourists in Dublin, mm -hmm. where, you know, that man was attacked. This happens day in, day out. And Dublin got millions of euro off the back of, I'm not saying they shouldn't have, but <laughs> all of a sudden millions of euro was pumped into Dublin for extra resources. Like, why can't 
that be done for this region as well? It's because they forget about this region. They always have done. I, you know, um, I, I've seen it down through the years. We had to, we had to go walk outside the Dáil to try and get a road done. It's the, this region and Donegal is always the forgotten region, and it's not right. It's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. You know, we, we've one of the finest places to live. Um, we've the most beautiful scenery. You could go golfing and you could go surfing in the same day and go for something nice to eat. And like, it's a fantastic way of living. But unfortunately, they, they seem to think that, you know, everything should happen in Dublin. Why wasn't the children's hospital built in Athlone? Like, why, why is it always Dublin, Dublin, Dublin? And I think, you know, again, it's unfortunate, but it's, it's a very, very difficult place that we're in and uh, you know I my, my sympathy goes out to all the guards because they as Barney said they do an unbelievable job day in day out and you know it, I, I, I think maybe it could be time for a new commissioner Like we have heard obviously there's a lot of issues um, with morale and, and, and a lot of issues attached to, to the to the morale issue in, in Angar this year Connor but the main bone of contention is that the roster and uh, if you don't already know already that they are currently working four days on for four days off and the commissioner wants to bring in uh, the old roster pre-COVID which I think is six days on and four days off. Now they're not looking, it's not like they're looking for a pay raise, like they're just looking for for the roster to stay the same. It's just, to me, it beggars belief that the commissioner can't relent. Bernie, what do you think? I think the rosters are a small part of the issue that yeah. the rank and file guardie have. Um, if it was just rosters, I think this thing would have been worked out a long time ago. There's a breakdown in the relationship between the commissioner and the rank and file guardie beneath him. And it shouldn't have been let get to this stage. Now, ultimate responsibility for that lies with the Minister for Justice. Now, I know the Minister can't intervene directly in the Garda. That's a separate body. But the policing authority perhaps should be asked by the Minister to take a step in here and see what can be done because this cannot be allowed to go on the way it is. We're looking at a potential breakdown in one of the thin blue lines that separates us from anarchy. Are you shocked that the talks this week didn't result in some sort of middle ground being reached? Like, are you shocked that we're still here, that they're planning to go on strike, that the commissioner didn't, you know, bend a bit? I'm not particularly shocked having looked at the soundings that have been coming out from the commissioner and from the GRA over the last few weeks, it was quite obvious that no one was for turning. And in a situation like that, somebody has to step in. And as my mother would have said, bang a few heads together. Anthony, do you think that all of this um, media coverage about the the morale and all the issues facing the force, that that's having a, a direct impact on the recruitment of, of Garthi into Templemore? No, absolutely, and you know, um, it's it's obviously do, they're obviously doing themselves no uh, no justice. And when I say that, I don't mean the guards; I mean the commissioner and the minister for justice. Like the Garda, they they voted at the highest number ever, ninety eight percent voted against this. Like surely to God, this fella has to pull in his horns and say, "Well, hold on a minute, I've got it wrong. Let's let's come to the middle. Let's come to a middle ground." But I don't think. Unfortunately, I don't think he's that kind of guy. I think it's it's either it's either my way 
or the highway and and it's not right. The other side of the coin is this. Again, we were we were told that we were going to get a brand new guard station here by Charlie Flanagan about, I think it must be merely four to five years ago, maybe longer. Yeah. And now we still have no guard station. Where's that? That's all up in the air. So like somebody needs to grab the whole of this country by the scruff of the neck and shake the bejesus out of it until it gets it right. <laughs> Bernie, do you, do you think that the commissioner, well, he's not he's not for budget and he did say while he took the, the vote personally, um, do you think his position is, is tenable or, or what, what do you think? Well, it's not really about whether I have confidence in the Garda commissioner mm. or not. The really, really worrying thing is that the police force underneath them doesn't have confidence in him. Yeah. And ultimately, responsibility for managing this situation rests with the Minister for Justice. She needs to do something to take control of this situation. Well, she has said this week, now not to misquote her, but I think she said something like, do you know, unless um, everyone is around the table and that that's the only way that meaningful negotiations can take place. Do you think that's a bit of a cop-out? Well... She's not around the table, is she? Really, the bottom line is, and I'll go back to it again, Mm -hmm. ultimate responsibility for this lies with the Minister. The Minister can issue statements to the press all she wants. It's important that the Minister talks to the people who can sort this out. We'll move on to, there was a call earlier in the week and it it isn't the first call that was made in relation to this, a ban on solid fuels like coal and turf and so on. Anthony, you mentioned that your your mother lives in rural Ireland. Mm -hmm. How would she take that sort of news if it were to come to pass? Uh, My mother's very funny. Um, uh, she wouldn't she wouldn't think much of it and she'd continue burning the fuel um, <laughs> and you know what uh, fair play to her I'd be fully backing her on that unless they come in and they decide to take her out of the house which I don't think they'd have a hard job doing that with her um, but uh, I do think you know a ban on the solid fuel and this that and the other again they need to look at the bigger picture there's people that are scraping uh, money just enough money to actually light a fire um, but again they don't look at that they never look at the bigger picture so I, I would be totally against that um, if they want to burn solid fuel um, obviously that that helps the environment well then belt away um, and I would be advocating for that and I wouldn't pass one bit of heat What do you think Bernie? Is it badly timed this call? I know it's been said before that, that, the, that there should be a ban on solid fuels but do you think it's badly timed coming up to the budget and people already like strapped for cash in a cost of living crisis? Well I think that we'd all love to live in nice warm environmentally friendly homes uh, without ever having to light a fire. That would benefit everyone but mostly the elderly and other vulnerable people like the disabled um, because there's nothing nice about having to light a fire at six o'clock in a winter's morning. Nobody enjoys that. But really until such a time as the government gets on with the business of retrofitting homes we go back to that again for people like the elderly and other vulnerable groups there's no point in saying to them, you can't heat your home with the only means you have at the moment. What are they supposed to do? Mm, but like, I know you're saying about the government getting on with retrofitting homes, but like we're, we're a long way off from every home in the country being retrofitted. We're, um, we're far too far off every home in the country being retrofitted. But 
we're far too far off meeting the, the targets we have for today, let alone what we'd all like to have in the future. There are people living in drafty, cold homes who have no other means of heating their homes except for the bailer briquettes they're scraping the few pennies together to buy and dragging it out to last a week. Those people can't be told, no, you can't even burn those briquettes. What are they to do? Wrap themselves up in newspaper? Will it ever come to pass, do you think? A ban? I'm not sure that a ban on anything actually works. You need to bring people along with you. If you impose a ban, the first thing people will do is say, I'm going to burn it anyway like Anthony's mother who'll be dragged out kicking and screaming. <laughs> but, you know, that's what people will do. What you need to do is give people an alternative yeah, and convince them to come along with you. Now, if you go into a pensioner and you say, I'm going to retrofit your home so that you'll be warm and comfortable and you'll never need to clean out a fire in the morning again, I'd say they'd be only too delighted. Yeah, I would say that too. But again, it goes back to the whole grant situation and that, that you need the money before you before you get the grant and it's just that red tape just makes it impossible for those targets to be met I'm sure you agree Absolutely the government needs to change the way it's doing the retrofitting schemes it needs to get in and very quickly retrofit homes where where they're in charge where they're council tenants or where they're social housing but also, the government needs to change the grant system because there's no point in having a grant system for an elderly person who will never be able to afford to retrofit their home. The government needs to come in and do that for them. What do you think, Anthony? Do you foresee us seeing a full-scale ban in our lifetime of solid fuels? No, I don't think they. I, I, I don't think they'll get away with it. They'll they'll fly kites and they'll come out and they'll threaten you with this, that, and the other. But uh, I don't think I don't think it's going to happen, as Bernie rightly said. You know, like people are struggling. They, they, they you know, if if you need to heat yourself, you're going to try and heat, heat yourself whatever way you can. And putting a ban on it is ridiculous. Like, look, at if you want to do something, come out and say, get rid of the grants, you know, and say, well, look, at right, if you don't have the money, um, here's what we're going to do. Come up with a different solution. And we're going to, we are going to come in and retrofit your house and maybe take it out of your pension or your tax or something like that take it out a small fraction over a period of time or just come up with a different way of thinking mm. but unfortunately of course they don't come up with a different way of thinking and in in, in every scenario they put that the cart before the horse which is completely wrong you know like look at look at charging your car if you if you're lucky enough to have an electric charger or electric car yeah. look at that like, like you have to drive the length of the brand of the country to try and find an electric charger yet you all yet this fella wants us all in electric cars but there's no chargers because they didn't do it like like the 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 some of the ideas you just you, you just you'd wonder where are they coming from well, I know that there are a couple of electric charging points in Sligo, but Bernie, do you feel that there's not enough? Well, it doesn't really matter how many there are in Sligo and I live in Drumahair. Right. Do you know? <laughs> Is there one in Drumahair? No, there isn't. Okay. Do you know, I mean, really, there was a whisper that we we're going to get one in Drumahair. Now, I'm hoping to buy an electric car later this year because I think I've had enough of diesel, but I'll have to put in a home charger because... Driving to Sligo to charge a car seems a bit mad. Yeah. Do you know? Um, again, we need a bit of joined up thinking here. We would all love to be more environmentally friendly. And the Labour Party is kind of a green-red party. We do have green policies, although mm. we lean to the left. And we would like to see uh, a plan, a proper plan, put in place the infrastructure to allow us to give up our dirty cars. That would be great. Put in place the public transport to allow us to use public transport and make it affordable for people. There's no point of telling people 
in rural Ireland, give up your cars or give up your uh, fossil fuel cars and drive electric cars when you can't charge them. No point in saying give up your cars when there's no buses to anywhere. So what are you supposed to do? Somebody text in there, I love lighting my range, burning smoky coal from Northern Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So the people do enjoy, I know you said, Bernie, that people don't like getting up at six o'clock in the morning and putting on a fire, but obviously some people still do like that tradition. People like the, the look and the smell of a fire. I mean, I like that myself. Mm. I do understand that we've got an environmental issue that we have to deal with um, and that really we can't go on the way we've been going on forever. We do have to make changes for the sake of the planet. I think we all recognise that. But again, like Anthony said, cart before the horse. Give people the alternatives and they might use them. But if you take away what they have before the alternatives are in place, you leave them high and dry or perhaps cold and wet. We will move on now to, we do know that um, there's 130 million euro (laughs) in the Euro Millions uh, jackpot this weekend. Um, Some might say it's an obscene amount of money for one person to win. Um, but what would you what would you do with it, Anthony? Oh, um, well, I'd definitely go on a holiday anyhow. Uh, Hundred and thirty million. Oh, look at it. See, it's a colossal amount of money. Um, I'd sit. I'd say you'd have to get a bit of counsel and sit down and think about you know how you how you're going to spend that and how you'd you'd even think about uh, the amount of money that you, that that you'd have coming in. Um, I definitely would give some of it away to some charities uh, that would be close to my heart. Um, I would actually uh, seriously try and do something better with Sligo um, and give it to some of the um, places that need, uh, that we need more uh, in infrastructure in Sligo. Mm. Um, obviously, the hospital would be definitely one. I would sit down and I would discuss a plan and try and make our hospital better that we have in Sligo. I would try and make the train. You talked about public transport. Yeah. I would try and maybe, you know, make that, uh, sp- give them a few pounds and come up with a plan as well. But I do think that needs to be privatised. I think, obviously, we're losing money hand over fist because, the, you know, it, it's a national it, a national thing. Um, I certainly wouldn't take public transport. Um, I know my wife and my my uh, youngest, uh, Joe, who's eight, they took a train to Dublin recently and there was fellas getting sick, there was fellas fighting. Uh, my son rang me uh, crying in the toilet oh because there was a fella outside shouting at him. So, like, you know, it obviously needs, that needs to be turned was on this top from, of his head. Was this from Sligo to, to Dublin, was This it? was from Dublin down to Sligo right. and obviously they hopped off at Longford. Um, but I think, you know, uh, as Bernie rightly said, again, you know, we're talking about the cart before the horse. Again, always, uh, we've seen a massive uh, increase in antisocial behaviour on our public transports. Uh, people across the length and breadth of the country will not take public transport because of this. Mm. And yet, uh, our, our um, Minister for for, for for the State, for um, Helen McAtee, she walks around Dublin with four or five guards and says Dublin is a, is a great place to be. It's safe and fantastic. I'd love to see what she walk around on her own. Not a hope. So like, you know, sticking your head in the sand and telling everyone that it's, you know, oh sure, it's great, it's grand. Like... They're not living in reality here at all. And it's unfortunate, but this is this is the way that life is now. And it's very unfortunate for everyone across the board.
So what would you would you like to see trains more policed then? Is that what you'd like to say? I'd like to see a, a brand new privatised company coming in and taking it. And good luck to CIE. You know, because like they are losing money hand over fist, day in, day out. You know, if it was privatised, yes, somebody is going to come in. The trains in, in, in London and England, they're all privatised. Some of them are. A disaster. And, 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 you know, like, if it was done right, well, then obviously it's going to help the environment. But, it, like, I'd love to see him and Ryan hop on the train from Dublin come down to Sligo and deal with these books, shouting and roaring at him and throwing stuff at him. Like, it's crazy. But, like, yes, you know, they think it's all rosy. It's not. Mm-hmm. The whole thing needs to be lifted up and changed. Like, some of the trains are way too old. And even the people who are working on these trains, they'll tell you that themselves. They have an awful tough time of it. Bernie, would you spend some of your lot of winnings on the trains? Um... No, I wouldn't. Right. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> uh, because I am firmly against privatisation okay. of our rail system. Why? I believe that a public transport system has to be owned and operated for the benefit of the public and not for any private company. We have seen in the UK the state of their rail services. Uh, there was a Twitter thread happened during the week. A man who was on a train to Edinburgh and the train was cancelled while he was on it. They had to pull in at a station. They were taken off. They were put in a fleet of taxis from Preston to Edinburgh. An enormous journey costing huge amounts of money. The, the British rail system is a mess simply because they sold it off piecemeal and privatised it. It doesn't work. We need to invest in a proper public transport system here. But we've just heard from Anthony that the train in its current state is clearly not up to scratch and there's a lot of issues as well. There certainly are issues. I mean, I, I use the train to Dublin a lot. Unfortunately, there's not many other places you can go by train from here because we don't have a proper joined up rail network and that's something we should address. Mm. We should be able on the west coast of Ireland to travel up and down to Galway. By or train. Donegal. Or Donegal. Not that I'm but beating we can't. that old um, drum, but... But we need to invest in our rail services and we need to perhaps think about transport policing, making it a little more comfortable for people to travel. I think our rail service is brilliant when it works. Mm. When it doesn't, it's a disaster. We need to invest in it and get it right.